podcast i'm your host jake accompanied by sreyas chase and sam and we're excited to start a fan podcast for the buffs we picked the name Folsom frenzy to pay homage to how we met we all started the Folsom frenzy which was the official student section of cu football we later changed our name to c unit to align with the basketball student section but we just want to jump on here have some fun talk about the buffs and just yeah have a good time so with that, we're going to go around the horn and introduce ourselves. Sreyas, do you want to kick us off? Sure thing, Jake. Thanks. My name is Sreyas, and I graduated from CU in 2012 and in 2016 with a BS and MS in mechanical engineering. Both my parents are CU grads, and I'm originally from Parker, Colorado. So I've been a CU fan for most of my life. I've been a season ticket holder for football for, for now 15 seasons, experiencing a lot of lows, unfortunately. But there were a few highs in there, so that keeps me coming back. So I'm currently an aerospace engineer in Denver. And it keeps me pretty busy during the day, but nevertheless, I have a lot of passion for the school and really excited to chat with you guys about CU Sports. Hi, everyone. Uh, Alex Reyes, I am a second generation um, CU alum. Both my parents went there. Um, I've had family that's gone to all the different CU campuses in some form or another. Uh, learned the fight song when I was three years old. So for better or for worse, I've been a fan for a long time like Reyes has. Um, studied finance um, in 2019, graduating, and I'm now a Penn State um, law student out in Pennsylvania in Big Ten country. All right. What's up, everyone? I'm Sam. I'm originally from Los Angeles, but now I live in Boulder, which really should have qualified me for the CU job opening. But I guess, I guess they decided to go other other places. I was here for one year of Mike McIntyre, one year of Mel Tucker, and the entire Carl Durrell experience. During my undergrad, I was the vice president of Folsom Frenzy slash CUNet, and now I'm pursuing my master's Mostly just to see the football team make it to and win a bowl game, just not the Alamo Bowl. No more Alamo Bowl, please. And I'll round us out. My name is Jake. I graduated from CU back in 2018. I got to experience the entirety of the Mike McIntyre era. And I decided to stay a fifth year and get my master's in accounting just because I love CU and Boulder so much. Um, back in CU, I was involved in a bunch of different clubs. I was an RA on campus. I also started Folsom Frenzy back in the day. With that, Let's get excited. Let's talk about prime time. Deion Sanders named the new head coach of the University of Colorado. Guys, what were your initial reactions? What were your thoughts? We were in the coaching search and with the hire, what are you guys' thoughts? Chase, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I think so. Perspective is everything, right? It's, it's it, I remember the searches and the flight tracking with all of the former um hires that we've unfortunately get, got to see because of the mediocrity and just poor performance on the football field. So this one was kind of different. Um, it was really interesting to me that I, I felt like CU had a quiet confidence the entire way. Um, you know, you would see on Reddit, you would see online that everyone thought that um, CU fans that thought that, you know, Dion might come to Boulder were completely just, you know, degenerates or, or completely delusional. And, and I think, and, and I don't know about everyone else's here's perspective, but it, it seems like, at least in my opinion, I was always fairly confident that Dion was the guy after that news started to break. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of interesting hires, but this is obviously, in my opinion, an absolute home run hire, if nothing else. Um, you know, Dion brings branding and swagger and 
you know, free advertising through social media and through, um, you know, it, it, CU used to never make it even a mention on the Reddit CFP page, you know, on Twitter, it was basically the same 10 people in an echo chamber. And so to be so relevant out of nowhere, um, you know, I think, I think CU is, has absolutely hit a home run. Um, I think Rick George did a phenomenal job. Um, I am still not convinced that we haven't robbed a bank. I have no idea where we're finding the money, um, mm-hmm. but Rick, Rick I mean, George doesn't know either. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, a really exciting time to be a boss fan. And, and um, you know, I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Well, yeah. And it's a, it's a no lose situation for Dion as well. Like either he turns around the worst program in college football and gets Florida state to back the, back the Brinks truck up for him, or he doesn't do it. And people are like, Oh, well it was the worst program in football for a reason. That he's still going to get a big job after this, regardless of what he does. That's a great, great idea for him to come here. Great. So I want to hear your thoughts. You've been Man. a fan. <laughs> I so my initial reaction to hearing the rumors was, "There's no way. There's just no way." It, it in my head at the time, I thought that there was no way it made sense for him to leave his current situation for our situation, right? And there, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuanced factors there. Right. So given that uh, Coach Prime got into the the college football business during the pandemic, you know, during a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the stuff that was going on as far as like, you know, racial equality and things of that nature. And it seemed very natural fit for him to go to an HBCU and try to turn that around and, and bring things uh, uplift that community, I should say. And the situation that he's coming into now is very different, right? Like demographically, it's very different. So uh, I, I did wonder whether there was, you know, that side of things made sense to what he's doing. But uh, one of the big things that he hit on during his uh, interview and uh, basically the press conference and all of that is the fact that there is a major lack of representation of, of black head coaches throughout power five, especially college football. And it seems very rare for a black power five coach to be replaced by another black power five coach. And looking at the opportunity that he has here at CU uh, where, and and he did state that this was not a factor in him uh, coming to Boulder, but CU has had as many, if not more black head coaches in the last 10 years than most sec programs have had in their entire history. And given that he has the opportunity to step in for Carl Durrell, who struggled, especially with, you know, very important things like recruiting and then even selecting the right coaching staff. And he has the opportunity to come in and be that replacement for an existing black head coach. And not only that, he has the opportunity to really throw egg on the face of a lot of naysayers and a lot of people who didn't believe in him. There were open opportunities in the SEC and in the ACC this year which would have geographically made a lot of sense for him, but he chose to come here. And I think that it represents an amazing, amazing opportunity, kind of like what Chase was saying for him to, you know, either uplift a program that, you know, has some resources, right. we see now that CU has resources from all the, the, you know, the display that uh, coach prime social media has put on our facilities, which, you know, we were all, I think we were all at CU at some point when that was brought in the champion center and blown away, you know, from the initial tours. So it was really cool to see that. So he has, he's going to have more resources here. 
than than we had at, at at Jackson State. But he has that opportunity to really elevate and not only show his coaching, you know, his coaching ability, but his overall ability to raise an entire uh, program's profile, maybe even an entire city's profile. So it's a really exciting opportunity for him. Obviously, as a CU fan, uh, it's it's just incredibly it's exciting. You know, uh, it couldn't have. This was one of the worst seasons I've had to experience. And I remember, and I was at most of the games during Embry's second year, where CU also went one and eleven, but also had such amazing losses as losing on a last second field goal to a six and six Sacramento State FCS team, and then immediately going on the road and being down fifty five to seven at halftime against Fresno State. So someone that's been through that and this past season, the level of excitement is it's hard to even compare. And when Coach Prime during his uh, press conference said, all I want is to give you the opportunity to win that like it, it made me emotional. Right. It brought tears to like, Oh, brought tears to my eyes because my goodness, you know, someone with his gravitas and so, uh, someone with his pedigree, right. Both as a professional baseball player and as an NFL hall of famer to come in and say, I'm going to come in and give you this thing that you you've wanted you know, for most of your life, that was just, it was amazing. So. Right. It's just a whole different level of gravitas with the CU fans, man. I remember seeing Brandon McCartney's video of his wired fired and inspired video. And I was tearing up late at night and my wife rarely sees me tear up. And it was Brandon McCartney and how fired up he was to get coach prime. But you were talking a little bit about the coaches. I just want to add this in to add some perspective um, just to run down the CU coaches and the win history and just how big of a change this was. Starting at Bill McCartney, he had a win percentage of 62%. Then Rick Neuheisel, 70%. Gary Barnett, 55%. And then the demise of CU, Dan Hawkins, 32%. John Embry, 16%. Mike Mac- McIntyre, 40%. Mel Tucker, 41%. Carl Durrell, 34%. And know that Mac, Mike McIntyre number is also inflated with the 2016 year. Yeah. So he has really been through the ringer. Um, and I wanted to use this to kind of transition us. What did you guys think of uh, the opening press conference from Dion? I don't know about you guys, but to me, it sounded like a little bit like Bill McCartney. And he's like, he's bringing us back to the golden days. What are you, what are your guys thoughts on the, on the, uh, on the opening press conference? And Chase, take it away. Yeah, I think um I think Dion understands what the situation is. I don't I, I think Dion understands that it's a fan base that is um you know often thought of on a national stage as as non-existent, which is never I mean, we all know and, and I'm sure the people that would listen to a podcast like this would know. Um CU has had the fan support and has the the interest and, and passion to win. And so I think Dion, you know, he's a, he's kind of a, a preacher almost by nature, right? Um comes in and talks about, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily, you know, X's and O's all the time. And I do think, you know, there's a lot of criticism that that's something he might struggle with at the FBS level. And and that certainly remains to be seen, but he's, he's a guy that sells you on ideas and ideals and, and where you want to see something happen. And so like, obviously he's great for a press conference. Um, But I also think that, you know, those are the kind of things that, you know, land you recruits, like he'll, he'll, I think we're all confident he'll end up landing. Um, So incredibly exciting press conference. I thought, um, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts or your, your opinion was on it, Sam. Yeah. I mean, going into it, I was, I was really worried who our starting quarterback was going to be. 
So I was, I was really happy that that was clarified during the press conference. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how legal that is. Is that, is that a rule that. Oh yeah. I, I remember now? Ryan Koningsberg said in, in somebody, a clip I saw, he's like, I was looking at the compliance team and they were all cringing when that went down. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's, but it doesn't matter. We have coach prime. Um, yeah. I mean, like Chase said, like, I, like nobody's talked about his coaching, like his football coaching at all. Cause it doesn't, like it doesn't matter. Like you can assign people to do the football coaching for you and you just go out and recruit, recruit, recruit. And I, I think that was a big, coach. I was just gonna say, I think that's a big part of why he accepted the job as well is that he has the budget, um, you know, wherever they found the budget, it, he certainly has the budget now to find those assistant coaches that will help as far as the, you know, X's and O's stuff like that. And boy, has yeah, he. But... <laughs> yes. He's found some, he's found some doozies. My goodness. Getting that Kent State offensive coordinator, I hadn't the head hadn't coach much nonetheless, about, not just the offensive coordinator, head but to coach, take a head coach. Off, yeah, my goodness, you know, first of all, it shows you that a hot, like a hot shot, highly thought of head coach would want to give up his head coaching position to come to to see you, a team that's coming off of a one and eleven season that's pretty inarguably been the worst power five team over the last decade. Uh, Aside from the rice, right? That is entirely a testament to his magnetic persona and entirely a credit to his salesmanship, which he hasn't even at the time hadn't really even had the opportunity to to do much, right? Because he's still going to coach Jackson State in the celebration bowl. And he's still going to he's still, you know, devoted to those to those young men that he he's been coaching for the last couple of years and wants to see them succeed both on and off the field. It is, uh, it's just incredible. And to, to Jake's original point, does he remind you of McCartney? So obviously I was very young, very, very young when McCartney retired from CU, but every, and you see it with Brandon too, right? You see that, you you see a lot of that same persona coming down in his, uh, you know, and and Derek, when Derek McCartney, when Derek McCartney was at CU, you saw it there too, right? Just the, the passion and, the, he, it is like being preached to in such a in such a beautiful way, right? You feel very connected to what he's saying, and it it just icing on the cake that this man is so accomplished. I don't know if you've seen some of his highlights playing baseball. So obviously, I'm partial. I'm I'm a baseball fan first. I'll always be a baseball fan first. And Deion Sanders tore up the Rockies. I think he had uh, he hit over 350 against the Rockies, and on his highlight reel from when he was playing baseball, there's, there are highlights of him playing a mile high stadium. So even before course field, but mile high stadium. And even just with that deep coach prime didn't, he considered himself to be just regular Dion on an MLB field. And that man was a, a horror on the base pads, absolute horror on the base pads. And he would have been the MVP of the 1992 world series if the Braves had won. And that was his set. That was by far his, backup sport right this man also won multiple super bowls in the nfl and is an nfl hall of famer you hear that person preaching to you and you 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 like sit up in your seat a little bit right. and and during his his uh basically his pep talk is what i'll think of it as and rather than a threat i thought it was more of a pep talk to his team when he said no hats i i was like mm, i'm taking my hat off he's gonna know that i have my hat on you know <laughs> it was right. That was just incredible. I, I do see a lot of potential parallels with, with Coach Mack and 
uh, hopefully he'll have a 30 for 30 about his time at CU that paints him in a positive light as well someday. It'd be amazing. For sure. And, and I think like another thing that should be considered with this hire, like I, I think, you know, everyone always says that every hire is the most important hire that a team is going to make. But as you, as you kind of look around the shifting college football landscape, it seems like, at least in my opinion, this was a absolute could not miss hire. You know, uh, the PAC 12 is, borderline um you know imploding um it, it looks like it's going to solidify for now but i mean who knows um and so this was one of those hires where cu either reaches for the stars and you know turns it around or fades into your to, you know fades into irrelevance forever um and so in my mind like this was just such an important hire and and i didn't want to get my hopes up that it would be someone like deon sanders but deon sanders is the kind of guy and who knows you know if we're being honest He's probably gone. If he if he's successful, and I, I obviously I hope he is, you know, it's it's likely that he's probably gone, you know, who knows, three, four years from now. Um, but it's one of those things where if we can kind of get the program turning around the right direction, um, you know, I get a lot of, and this is this is gonna be my first hot take of this podcast, but I get a lot of flack for this. But I really do think, you know, as conferences look to expand um moving forward, you know, obviously I think the Big Ten, if they choose to expand further, will pick up Oregon and Washington. But this kind of hire, you know, a strong Colorado is the kind of school that might be a target for the Big Ten moving forward. You know, if we have a consistently successful football team, we're in a fast growing market. You know, we're basically the only kid in the in town, um, despite what the Fort Collins people would want you to believe. Um, we're an AAU university. We have huge enroll or, you know, large enough enrollment to be considered a Big Ten school. So I don't know, you know, that's not realistic for a lot of reasons, um, whether or not we we would make the TV deal worth it, stuff like that. But if they are looking to kind of round out a pod with UCLA and USC, you know, Colorado definitely was never going to be a pick right now. But if they end up waiting six to eight years and something magical happens, like we all, I think right now, think it might, um, you know, that could be the kind of thing that changes the course of the, not just the football program, but the university um, forever. And so, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on a hire like this, but I think as far as swinging for the fences and shooting your shot, um, I think Rick George deserves a lot of credit for an, a spectacular hire that, that can really potentially be university changing. Right. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. This could not have come at a more pivotal time, especially with the conference realignment. Like you were saying, George K, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. The PAC 12 commissioner came out and said, that they halted negotiations for the TV deal until Deion Sanders was hired at Colorado. He makes an impact. Barstool Colorado tweeted out that the CU football Twitter account, or Instagram, sorry, had 58,000 followers before Dion was hired. It's now at 202,000 followers. That's the Dion effect. It is wild what is going on in Boulder. ESPN had CU all over it. Fox News posted our offensive coordinator, his hire. That is unheard of for CU, unheard of. And everyone's talking about it. If you just go on YouTube and search Deion Sanders, Colorado, 247 Sports has a ton of videos on it. On3 Recruiting has a ton of videos on it. Rivals has a ton of videos on it. ESPN, ton of videos on it. Stephen A. Smith, Bomani Jones, everyone is talking about CU. Tom Brady went on and talked about CU and his son. Andrews. What was that, Trey? I saw Aaron Andrews have a thing on, uh, I think, talking to Carissa Thompson that CU reposted recently, talking about how she was a Gator for life, but that she was going to 
put on her Colorado stuff and, right. and for Coach Prime. Right. The Kelsey sport. brothers, too, I saw had a podcast and they were talking about it. I was listening to something earlier this week and it was one of the alums talking. Um, man, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it was Jeremy Bloom. And he was saying back in the era when CU was good, he saw CU gear in the Houston airport. Like thinking about that now, it's, it's laughable. Happen. Like it's that would never now. happen. And now with Deion Sanders, we are going to be a national brand. Like, yeah, it's I would argue we're there. It's, yeah. it's just mind boggling to me. You know, I, I, I work with a lot of people from SEC country. And that's that's by nature of my job. We have kind of major job sites in the South, like in Alabama and Florida. And, you know, CU is the butt of their jokes because they know that I'm a diehard CU fan and a CU alum and how how many games I've been to and how, how much I care. And they usually send me stuff like my, I have a lot of Alabama coworkers and they, they usually send me stuff like, oh, my God, we lost our second game of the season. Now I feel like you are the rest of our season doesn't mean anything. I'm like, dang. Two losses, and you're already talking about how your season doesn't mean anything. Whoa! Right. Yeah. I te- right. All those same coworkers, like, whoa! I saw the news. Like, you guys got Coach Prime. You guys got Coach Prime. But I mean, it's always followed by like, oh, it, you know, it's still gonna be bad. But the thing is, they they heard it. They heard the news. Well, That's and different. and I think this is a great example. You know, Todd Salomon comes in as president, and you know, I always thought I was kind of dubious about the whole arguments that, you know, it's the it's the leadership like Phil Stefano that was holding the football team back. And I was always like, you know, like, I think that's probably th- there's some merit to that, but I don't think that's the whole rationale behind it. And it's, it's pretty clear at this point, you know, Todd Salomon comes in and says, we're committed to football, you know, having an alum comes in that was here during kind of the primetime eras, or I guess this would be the primetime era now. So the, 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 the successful eras of CU football back in the nineties and, um, and to understand the value that football can have for university, I guarantee, I guarantee, you know, you talked at the beginning about 200,000 followers on Instagram after having, you know, basically none, right? The the effect that this has on 18-year-old kids, not just that are looking to play football at a D1 level, but also that are applying to schools, right? And like, you know, this is kind of a cheesy example, but like I picked my law school, you know, I picked Penn State because I wanted to have a big 10 football team. You know, I wanted a bigger brand football team. And frankly, if I'm being honest, I wanted a team that was maybe a bit more successful than what I had experienced at Colorado. And so, you know, kids make decisions partially off of that. And, you know, you've seen it at Alabama where the applications have risen and the ranking has risen and the, the, the overall use of overall university is empowered by the success of the football team. I think you're going to see that in Boulder. And I can't wait to see what application statistics look like next year. And I can't wait to see what student involvement statistics look like next year. I can't wait to see what alumni donation statistics look like. You know, this is one of those things where everyone's going to, you know, I think there will be a lot of people that will look at the salary and go, you know, oh my God, how can we possibly justify this? And the answer is, you know, football for better or for worse is the university's brand for a lot of people. And so, if this ends up working out, it's going to be one of the best investments Colorado has ever made. And I, I can't wait. Totally agree. Yeah. I guess before we move on to the next point, I'll also point out that uh, the 2016 homecoming dinner. So I, I used to be part of uh, the CU Young Alumni uh, group as well. I was, wasn't able to keep up with it because of some of my other commitments. But uh, we went to the homecoming dinner that year. And they said that that was the one year that CU did well, right? The, the rise year, it said that that was by far the most attendance they'd ever seen at the homecoming dinner. So even if a lot of our alumni 
don't care about the football team. It is a massive branding thing. Exactly like you said, Chase, it is a massive source of branding for the university. And I, I don't know the, the statistics myself as far as how it does positively impact academics. But what I do know is that my, my coworkers, I have a lot of coworkers that went to Alabama. Like I said, a lot of them, we, we're in the rocket, we're in the rocket business, right? That's, you need some really, really bright people in order to be in that business. And almost all of them were from out of state. They weren't from Alabama and Alabama did not have a reputed mechanical engineering or aerospace engineering program about 15 to 20 years ago. And it, it's, it's one of those cause and effect things. Like, do you know that that's a true correlation? I can't, I can't speak on that, but at the same time, it does look awfully suspicious. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the Flutie effect. Yeah. It's uh, more people are going to apply and your acceptance rate is naturally going to go down when you have a good football program. You also saw with college basketball when they made runs, March Madness runs, these small schools, these Davidsons with Steph Curry, Florida Gulf Coast a few years ago, their admissions skyrocketed. Like I'm looking up CU's acceptance rate and it's 84% right now. And I remember they were trying to do this Be Boulder campaign and they were trying to be the Harvard of the West. And I think they were going about it all wrong. They needed to increase the CU brand presence. And this is a step in that. A ton of kids are going to apply, and we're only going to take the best of the best. It's it's just great for the university. And and then yeah, final point I'll make on this is uh, if you look at the resources and the the research that's been done at CU just in the in the STEM field, right? Think about this: the University of Colorado is responsible for discovering a new form of matter, right? So the the two thousand one Nobel Prize that was awarded to Eric Cornell and Carl Wyman that was for discovering a new form of matter, the Bose Einstein condensate. That's the type of that's the type of research that happens at CU. So you have that, you have the setting, you have the location being in such a major tech hub near a, a city where, you know, despite the fact that there are a lot of challenges in the economy right now, I've noticed myself like things are seem to be going relatively well here given all the circumstances. You put all of that together and you have something, you have something really special here when you talk about getting the word out there about the school and the university and how great it really is just by opening this window. Not to say that that's actually going to happen, but it certainly seems like it could be a big deal. And this could raise the profile of CU across the board in a really beneficial way. And I'm really excited for us. All right. We coming. We coming. We coming. Baby. <laughs> All right. I want to, I want to spend some time on, on that exact point on Dion's talk to the team, his whole week, we come in speech. I'm going to quote the quote that's been blowing up around the national media. He told the team, we got a few positions already taken care of because I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louie. What was your guys' thoughts on on that whole team meeting? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people were really um, upset about it. Um, I, I, I mean, I saw it online. You know, a lot of people said, you know, I think at the end of the day, you went, a, you went 1-11 last season, and um, – you know, anyone that thinks that this is not happening, you, you know, anyone that thinks that Lincoln Riley didn't do this exact thing when he went into USC's meetings, um, the difference is that for better or for worse, Deion Sanders um, gets everything on video. And so, like, on one hand, that's that's kind of why his brand is so big and why his his, his pull is what it is. But, you know, you're going to catch some flack for things like that. That being said, um, you know, I don't necessarily think you know, I, I see a lot of these transfers get announced and I, I can't tell you that it's one of those things that I think is going to make CU worse. Um, I think I, I wish these kids the best of luck. They, they had a really tough season. Um, but 
if we're being honest, you know, that's the kind of thing that a new head coach needs to do. I think it's kind of the ugly side of the business, but you need to walk in and say, you know, we're establishing a new standard and I have kids that are five stars, you know, at Jackson state and you, you were not competitive. And, and so like, if you want to earn a spot and that's how I saw it, I think it was a, if you want to earn a spot to be here, you know, you're going to have to earn it. But like, just because you're already here does not mean that you're going to be able to stay sort of thing. And so I think it's one of those things that people are way overreacting to a lot of people for whatever reason, are you know, everyone seemed to be very pro Deion Sanders. And now you're starting to see people that are kind of anti Deion Sanders online, not in the CU community, but just generally. And so I don't know if it's jealousy or what it is, but um, I think it's completely valid what he said. I, I don't think he said anything that was wrong. And um, you know, that's just my opinion. And yeah. to, to clarify, he didn't tell these kids to hit the portal. He said, you need to do your thing. Like, if you need to hit the portal, hit the portal because it'll open spots for kids that want it and kids that want to work. I think yeah. it was perfect to bring the kids in that want to work. You know, some some of those guys on the team want to win. Some of the guys on the team have the talent to win. But there's some guys dragging their feet and not working hard, and they don't have the talent. And it's just a huge culture shock from the Carl Durrell era. Um, you know, Carl Durrell seemed like a good guy, but I don't think he was a great motivator. Um, and it was just a huge 180. One, one quote that really stood out to me, um, is when he said, we're not here to compete, but we're here to win. If you look on one of the facility videos, I think it was the one that he got in into Boulder in the evening when he was going out on the field on the garage door that goes to the field, it says something along the lines of do your job and compete. CU has been competing for the last 20 years. CU hasn't been winning. I think Deion Sanders, that's going to be the first thing he's going to, he's going to repaint. We're not competing anymore. We're winning. Competing isn't fun. Winning's fun. So that was, that was just one thing I noticed. Um, Sreyas, do you have anything from that, from that meeting? Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess the, the most natural thing for me to do is apply the, the standard that Dion set for that team to myself. Right. So for me, the, the times in my life where I feel like I've needed the most direction and needed the most guidance were the times in my life where I was struggling with something, right? Where I was struggling. CU was lucky to be 1-11 this year. They were 15-point underdogs against Cal. And you guys know how cathartic and amazing that win against Cal felt, right? It felt amazing. And those same SEC fans that I've been mentioning this whole time or SEC grads, they turned around and they were clowning us for it. Right. But it really did feel good. It really, really did feel good. So applying this inward to myself, like there's, 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 there's two schools of thought that I don't think are mutually uh, inclusive. I think they're you can have both of these things together. They're mutually exclusive concepts. One is you appreciate the moment, right? You appreciate the moment and you allow yourself to have joy. And I thought that Mike Sanford did an unbelievable job of making these kids enjoy their time and appreciate the moment more. And I will always be thankful to him for that. However, at the same token, you always put maximum effort, right? No matter what, you always apply maximum effort. And you, if you need to get pushed, into doing that, which is what how it's worked out for me. I've always needed to get pushed into that type of thing. Then you have to you have to apply maximum effort, right? 
just because something good happened after a lot of bad, it doesn't give you an excuse to get happy and, you know, basically feel like you're content with uh, the way things are and allow you to be lazy about everything else. And the, my takeaway from Coach Prime's meeting was that was kind of the kick in the pants that, you know, a lot of the guys, maybe they already have it. Maybe they have been working hard. In which case, like, if they have been working hard, they will live up to Coach Prime's standard and his new coaching staff standard and be a part of that 85-man roster. That is what's going to happen. And what I heard from him was a challenge more than it was an excoriation of some, you know, yeah, some players that have been through some tough times. They've been through so many different coaches and they were put in a really bad position by their people of leadership. And to some, it does look like they're being blamed for it, but I see it as a challenge. And I know that from my perspective, if I had a leader that I was on the team for, and I was coming off a struggle, like my program struggling, we're having lots of issues getting things done at work. I, I would, I would understand and fully appreciate that challenge. And I think that that was what was issued. So I think that those two things are separate. I think you can have joy and make the most out of bad moments. And at the same time, you can get that well-needed kick in the butt. And I appreciate Coach Prime for saying that. Yeah, did he have to film it? I don't know. That's that's not my place to say. He's he that we know is part of his brand. So um, that that so that side of it, I don't know about that. But the fact that it's out there, it does look bad and shameful to some. But I, I, personally, I was okay with it because I know that I would be okay with it if it happened to me. Right, for sure. And you you briefly brought up Mike Sanford. And I just want to give a shout out to him because he, he's done a really good job as interim head coach. You know, I was a little hesitant when they hired him just because he didn't have a, a great resume coming from – he was from Minnesota, right? They Minnesota, OC, yeah. Um, so I wasn't really confident from an X's and O's standpoint, but, man, did he seem like he really cared about these players. And just in the interviews, he seemed passionate about CU. So kudos to him. I hope he gets a good job after CU. Um, but just wanted to give him a shout out. Agreed. I think the real ones know being put in that position is is very tough. And what he did for those kids, he made those kids have fun. And that that finding joy in the dark times, that was his whole theme, right? Joy. And uh, man, it was it was a joy to watch those guys compete, even though they struggled. Even in that Utah game, like they were still out there putting the effort forth. Nico Reed got that pick in the third quarter. Frank Phillip caught his first touchdown, you know, in the in the fourth quarter to make it 63-21. But I was happy for them because they've been through a tough season. There wasn't a lot of power five talent on that team, and they deserved to, you know, find their passion for the game again. And so, yeah, big shout out. I'll always remember the second half of the season of that Cal win, even if Prime has a lot of success, and the real ones will too. And hopefully we can move on from moral victories moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't agree more right right all right so now i kind of want to shift this in to the louis piece that dion's going to be bringing um i think he said he has about 10 guys that he's got lined up to come into the program i have pulled up jackson state's recruiting class uh from 2021 just to read off a couple couple guys um quadarius davis and i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing these right but just bear with me quadarius davis four star 93 rating on 247 Katron Evans, four-star, 92 rating. Shadora Sanders, 91 rating, four-star. John Warren, four-star, 90 rating. Trevante Rucker, four-star, 89 rating. Baron Hobson, three-star, 85 rating. And those are wide receiver, defensive lineman, quarterback, corner, wide receiver. 
he's bringing in some studs. And also to read off his 2022 class, give me one second to pull it up here. But the big name that we're all aware of and we're, we're trying to monitor is Travis Hunter, the number one recruit in the nation. Could be coming to Boulder. We'll see hopefully in a week where his head's at. But Travis Hunter, five-star corner, 99 rating on 247. Kevin Coleman, wide receiver, four-star, 97 rating. Tavarian Beasley, corner, three-star rating. So Deion's got some Deion's got some dogs that can definitely compete at the Pac-12 level. level. And I'm really excited to see both where we're going to be in the transfer portal from both a Jackson State perspective and then also for the transfer portal at large, but then also for the high school recruit and recruiting ranks. But I'm going to open up to you guys. What are your thoughts on the recruiting pipeline CU now has? Yeah, I, I think maybe the most exciting thing that CU has going for it, in my opinion, is that, um, you know, if people haven't watched Sean Lewis, our new offensive coordinator, um, his offenses at Kent State, obviously he was the head coach, but um, what made him kind of notorious was the fact that he was the, the mastermind behind the offense. His offenses are fast. They kill you with speed. Um, and, you know, he's done a lot with a little at the FCS level where maybe his his linemen were not as big as what you're going to get at the FBS level, or at least hopefully under our recruiting. And so I think, you know, to tie that back to recruiting, what's really exciting is, you know, the, the wide receivers that are expected to come um, from the Jackson state um, commitment list are fast. You know, they're going to beat you um, with speed. They're going to beat you with size. Um, Maybe not necessarily at the FBS level. They're not going to dominate quite as much, but we're, I mean, we're not talking, you know, the normal FCS recruiters that you would have. And we're talking guys that could start at almost any FBS program that were committed to Jackson state kind of to, to, you know, move forward with Dion's vision. Um, I think the really exciting recruit um, that just, you know, obviously the commitment happened today on the day that we're recording is um, Dylan Edwards coming in um, at running back um, transferred out of, or excuse me, um, was committed to Notre Dame and is now coming to Colorado. Um, you know, I had the chance to watch his film just before recording this today. And what really impresses me, I mean, he's fast, he's insanely fast, but he's also a patient runner. Um, and so he's not the kind of guy that is necessarily going to, um, you know, run straight at the, uh, you know, I think we've seen this for years. Um, and I think Fontenot has done this maybe a little bit more than a running back should, but kind of panicking and just hitting the hole before it's actually developed. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, Dylan Edwards has great hands. Um, we're going to have a running back there. That's going to have, you know, playmaking ability at any position where they slot him. Um, there's even some highlight reels from his high school days where he's playing wide receiver. Um, you know, those are the kinds of guys that they're bringing. And I think it's important to remember that this is going to be such a fresh offense compared to what Mike Sanford was running that, um, you know, CU needs to be looking at guys that are fast and that's what they had at Jackson state. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. Um, obviously, on the defensive side, um, I think we can expect to have some of the best corners in the game. I can't imagine being a, a high school corner and not wanting to play for Dion. Um, but I think people are going to sleep on our offense a little bit. Um, I think the Sean Lewis hire was an absolute home run hire. I can't, I still can't believe that we landed that um, hire. He probably won't stick around for long because he's been, you know, he was a candidate for our head coaching job. And so, um, you know, the, the defensive recruits are going to be really exciting. People should pay attention to the offense as well. Yeah, the exciting thing about the, this new offense, if you're a skill position player that looks to come in, is it looks to be the opportunity that you need to show your skills and your speed 
that could translate to the next level. It doesn't feel as gimmicky as the old school air raid, right? That, you know, Texas tech was running back in the day, but you know what? That Texas tech offense did ultimately produce one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the league right now, Patrick Mahomes, right? Even after Mike Leach left, a lot of those concepts remained and they struggled. Texas tech struggled uh, while they had Patrick Mahomes, but it was a dynamic offense that was incredible to watch. Cliff Kingsbury got an NFL head coaching job out of it. Right. And so if you're a skill position player, uh, wide receiver and, and running back in particular, and then even quarterback, obviously not in the short term, because it's there is a there is a nefarious side to having a coach's son. And CU fans are well aware <laughs> at quarterback as far as playing time and things of that nature. But if you're a skilled position player, you look at that that offense that's being run, the pace that it's being run and think to yourself, this is my opportunity to showcase myself on the grand stage. And I also imagine that this opportunity of knowing that Sean Lewis, even though he's taking a demotion in order to come to Boulder, it represents an opportunity for him to showcase his offense with potential NFL talent because he knows that uh, Coach Prime can attract that type of talent. And I don't know if you guys watch much of uh, Tennessee Vols this year. I didn't watch a ton of them, but the Tennessee Vols did run concepts that look somewhat similar to what uh, Sean Lewis was running at Kent State. And those that offense is going to produce quite a number of NFL players. Like the, the name of their uh, their stud wide receiver is not coming to me at the top off the top of my head. He was a he was kind of a snub from the Heisman candidate list. But my goodness, like some of the catches that he had against Alabama some of these other games this year, uh, this is this, and now we potentially might have something like that where you can attract, make yourself attractive offensively uh, because of that scheme. And I'm excited if, if you know Dylan Edwards. That's a that potentially uh, could be a, a get playing time uh, as a freshman, unless there are transfers that are coming in, which at this point I wouldn't doubt. And it, it's exciting. It, it is really exciting. It's. It is so exciting. Another guy I forgot to mention, and I definitely should not have forgot to mention this guy, but Winston Watkins Jr. commit for the 2025 class, five-star stud. See who has the top class in 2025. Let's just stop the count now. That's <laughs> stop championship. The count. Here we come, baby. <laughs> so I, I've noticed Dion's really going after um, the playmakers, and I don't think he spent a ton of time going after guys in the trenches. I think mainly because the portal is a little bit thinner at those positions, but that's one area that I think they need to emphasize in recruiting. Um, DMVR interviewed Rob Jay uh, today or yesterday, I can't remember, but he was the guy who worked closely with Dion um, and had that infamous interview with him asking if he could ride back on the same flight for the Chiefs game. And Rob Jay was talking a little bit about Shadur Sanders' game and how he's a very accurate quarterback, but the only thing that was holding him back is he held onto the ball a little bit too long. I just want to make sure CU brings in the talent on the offensive line to protect Shadur Sanders. And I'm sure Dion's on top of it because he's going to want to bring in guys. And what a recruiting pitch is that? I trust you to protect my son. I trust you to protect my son. You're a stud coming to see you. Let's make history. What a pitch is that? Stacey, do you have something to add? 
Well, and I was just going to say, I, I think, you know, I was I was encouraged to see Dion. I don't know if you saw this, but Dion tweeted um, a few days ago that, you know, they were really looking for people for the trenches. Right. Because, you know, Travis Hunter's a cornerback coming in. Right. He's a stud, a, a pretty much guaranteed stud if he ends up coming, you know, committing to Colorado. And so I'm I'm not worried about the, the skills positions. But I mean, to your point, we're going to need to have. I think that it's a tougher sell for Deion Sanders, you know, not, not every offensive lineman in the country, you know, looked up to Deion Sanders as the greatest in their, in their arena. Um, and so I think that's somewhere we'll struggle. The good news is I think the, and part of the reason Sean Lewis is such a great hire at OC is that, you know, at Kent state, they've never had the dominating offensive line that like Alabama has or something like that. And so he's done less with more in that offensive scheme. And that's part of what being so fast at wide receiver and running back can do for you. But I mean, obviously the, the goal and the hope is that we find some great guys, especially at the offensive line. Um, I do, I, my, my guess and my gut feeling is that that's going to be somewhere we're going to struggle um, at least at the beginning to, to kind of convince people to come in. Um, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I do think that that's something that we're probably going to see um, cause some challenges for our teams. And it really historically has, you know, at least in recent history, it's, it seems like the, the offensive line has been a turnstile. Oh, yeah. even, even in the even in the rise year, when you look at the way that CU operated in the red zone, it was Cephalufau draw. Almost every single play when we were in the red zone in 2016, Cephalufau draw or give it to Philip Lindsay, who's going to somehow, some way, you know, find his way as the Tasmanian devil into the end zone. And it's it's been a struggle because in the longer term history, CU has put out, in fact, even during this bad run, there have been plenty of NFL talented caliber offensive linemen. In fact, the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL was David Bakhtiari, right? Who was a CU grad. And Nate Solder had a, a lengthy career as right, a right. as an offensive tackle. So when you when you look at that opportunity the bar couldn't be lower right now. So it's just mind boggling that the offense, I know we've, I've been only talking about the offense, not even the defense and the defense was atrocious this year as well, but the bar is so low and it's going to be mind boggling to see even a slight increase of play in that arena. And I'm sure Cepho, Steven Montez, no one, no one comes more to mind than Steven Montez. His, I felt like his whole trajectory and his uh, growth, was impeded by some of the poor offensive line play that he had during his time. I could, I could be wrong on that, but that's certainly the way it seems to me that he came in with light tower talent with that incredible game against Oregon. So looking at that, the the idea of actually bringing in competent, competent linemen, <laughs> this is not to slight anyone, right? Not to slight any individuals, but it has been, it's been a struggle and it's been painful to watch. And I, th- I think, you know, Sean Lewis is bringing Bill O'Boyle, O'Boyle, excuse me, um, as his offensive line coach. Um, he's coming with him from Kent State. That's probably, in my opinion, one of our weakest hires on this new coaching staff. Um, you know, he's never coached an FBS team, um, but he's an Iowa guy. Um, he's all about having corn fed guys up front in the line trenches and about bullying people. Um, and so, you know, I'm excited to see how he can do. Um, I don't know how good of a recruiter he is. Um, he's been in the game for a long time, but you know, I think Sean Lewis is that kind of young hotshot coach. Maybe it'll be a good dynamic between having a, you know a little bit of a more seasoned um, 
older line coach, but not a hire I'm super excited about. Um, and definitely somewhere, you know, like I said, that I could see us struggling, but you know, um, I hope they prove us wrong. Chase, he's an Iowa guy. They have a, I think they have an in-home visit with the Iowa recruit. That's a five-star I'm blanking on his name, but he's committed to Iowa. I think he's from Iowa and I yeah. think it might be him that's visiting him. So he, I'd love to hear that. Caden Proctor, that's his name. Yeah. He's from Western, um, played at Western Illinois, grew up in Iowa. So he's, he's kind of from the Midwest. Honestly, that adds some nice diversity as far as recruiting goes, obviously, um, you know, uh, Sean Lewis is going to have the Mac kind of recruiting ground as well. And so I, I you know, I'm not saying these are necessarily, I, I'm just saying it wasn't the most exciting hire I saw. It makes sense. It's a guy he's comfortable with a guy that he's run the offense with before. Um, but you know, that's somewhere where I really think fans should be kind of prepared for, um, you know, we're probably not going to have as much talent there as we might in some of the other skills positions. That being said, we'll probably have infinitely more talent than we've had for the last 15, 20 years. So um, that remains to be seen. I, I like the fact that these linemen that we'd be bringing in are blocking to a, a specific scheme. And so they're going to have to be trained in a specific way. But I actually really like that because then you have all of your focus on being able to execute on a specific plan rather than just saying, all right, all you're going to do is block the guy in front of you. And there's really no other plan other than just block the guy in front of you. I love the fact that it's for a scheme. I, I saw, I think it was Ryan Koenigsberg broke down the the offense. And one of the key things that we'll have to see is, is actually mobile offensive linemen, right? So who can potentially move downfield, obviously not while the QB still has the ball, but move downfield, get some interesting pole blocking in different directions. Uh, and that So that side of it too is going to be really fascinating to see. And that might be a, a point in favor of, Sean Lewis bringing his offensive line coach with him because it is a unique scheme. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. It's, it is, it's just, uh, it's something different, right, man. Something's better. Dude, (laughs) I I got in a fight with an Alabama fan the other day on Twitter and it's like, what is life, man? We're fighting with Alabama fans. They're fighting with us now. Yeah. They're threatened by CU now the entire SEC watch (laughs) out because we're coming. But yeah, I mean, you saw today, yeah, and Folsom Field, they brought in some sports cars. I think it was a Jaguar and a GT40. There were some recruits, and Dion's going to do something different. He is going to be way different than Carl Durrell. He's going to bring that swagger back. He's going to be able to relate to these players. He's going to be like, look, I played in the NFL. I know what it's like to win. Come to Boulder and be a part of it. Come be a part of something special. Well, I think we we all know, right? Like CU and Boulder has everything to succeed. Um, And I know, you know, we're preaching to the choir with this kind of audience, but you know, we have the facilities. There's no doubt we have the facilities. Um, You know, we have a beautiful campus. The academics are solid. You know, the only thing that we haven't had to get recruits to come to Boulder is, you know, the promise of success as far as, you know, athletics go. And so like, you know, shout out to Rick George for that, you know, the, the champion center um, and all that kind of, you know, those are things that enable coaches like Deion Sanders to succeed. And so, um, you know, the swagger being there is exciting, um, but, you know, CU has what it takes to succeed um, at the division one FBS level. And, and, you know, having someone that can actually sell Colorado um, rather than Colorado having to sell the coach, it seems like, you know, under Durrell, it almost felt like Boulder had to sell itself. Um, that That's an exciting change. Yeah, one of the things that really bothered me during the coaching search is all these national pundits getting on and saying, really, Deion Sanders is considering CU? Like, they don't have facilities, they're a losing program. It's like, wake up, have you been to Boulder? Have you seen the new facilities? Like, the foundation is set for CU to be a powerhouse again. And 
we finally have the coach that I'll bring in the hype. His his uh, video team that's run by his son. Um, I can't remember their YouTube account name. It's like Wealth Media or something like that. Um, but those videos are showing off the facilities. And I think his video with the team got almost 4 million views. Like these high school kids are going to see that and they're going to be like, wow, I didn't realize Boulder had these gorgeous mountains. I didn't realize they had these facilities. I didn't realize all these things about CU and its football program. And now that we're in the national spotlight, kids are going to start coming. One thing that happened this year, and this is maybe a little bit irrelevant from our discussions about recruiting specifically, but I was blown away with the student sections and the fan support this year. Absolutely blown away. I could not believe it. My impression with CU football and even CU fans, maybe even Colorado sports fans in general, is that are very, very fair weather. And they'll show up if if the the times are good. And when the times aren't good, there's a million, billion other things to do. And this year when I saw the sellout crowds or the near sellout crowds even against TCU, against – uh, Cal, oh my goodness, I was absolutely shocked. And I know that some of those parents weekend or whatever, but my goodness, we have we have some very dedicated fans. And my impression before is that that wasn't the case. And now when you consider that there was already a lot of comments on the CU beating Cal video, and most of it was positive. Like, I cannot believe this many people show up to watch an 0-5 at that time, 0-5 team, that had lost every game by at least 18. And a lot of that was from garbage time. It's amazing. Do you remember the student section when we were in school? (laughs) What student section? Exactly. One (laughs) section was halfway full, probably at the end of the first quarter. It is unbelievable how those students have showed up and showed out for the games this year for a 1-11 team. I remember going back in the day when we tried to do a card stunt. It was a CU and we barely squeezed in people in half a section. It was only half a section at the time. We barely got enough students to squeeze in and were barely able to pull it off. I think it was around halftime too. When look at the student section now, it was full every single game. So man, I don't know what happened. I don't know what what flipped the switch there, but. It was you, Jake. It wasn't me, no. (laughs) You guys guys laid the foundation for that. No, No, I honestly. It's it's hard to it's hard to know because I haven't been inside the school and the program to know what you know what the kids have been doing lately. But uh, it's gotten to the point now, and I was shocked. Like I saw some I saw some comments that were like, "Oh, there's nothing else to do in Boulder." Like, Whoa, are you serious? Like we've come to that level of having that good of fan support where people are keep Boulder of all places. Just imagine that someone telling you there's nothing to do in Boulder. Wow. Okay. Like that's when you know you got good fan support. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to ask Sam. He's our CU student boots on the ground. He hasn't been quiet this whole podcast. He had to leave a little earlier, so he he'll be back with us. But yeah, complete cult- culture shift since we were there. Um, Chase, I want to throw it back to you. Did you want to add some additional thoughts? Yeah, I just want to make a quick comment um, before we move on about um, you know Rick George. I think everyone would agree gave a heinously borderline. Uh, fraudulent contract to Carl Durrell, um, guaranteeing the entire salary, all that kind of stuff. It was really refreshing to see in this new Deion Sanders deal. Obviously, we're paying him an exorbitant amount of money, but to see that 
you know, one, if he leaves within a year, it's a $15 million buyout. Um, you know, I, I think maybe Mel Tucker might have uh, finally convinced us of that something like that was necessary, but to have a 15, 10, and then five for the next three years, as far as, you know, Dion would owe the university if he left. Um, and I believe that's been confirmed. I think Brian Howell tweeted that, um, you know, is, is like so encouraging to see that, you know, if a, if a school ends up deciding that they want to, you know, try to rob the cradle again, um, like we had with Mel Tucker, they're going to have to really pay. And so I, I think it's pretty much, you know, I, I would say not feasible for him to leave. Um, certainly not in the first year, but maybe the second year, but you know, you see people being willing to pay a hundred million dollars to file Jimbo file, excuse me, fire Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, so, so maybe not, but it is nice to actually have some consistency and to see that, you know, uh, Rick George was able to negotiate a really, in my opinion, CU friendly contract um, other than the amount of salary that we're paying. But frankly, that was just going to be what it was going to be um, to begin with. So, um, you know, that's kind of a, a positive change that we've seen as well. And I don't know if that's because of the new leadership or if that was because of Rick George, but um, I'm really glad that that's uh, something that we kind of figured out. Right. To piggyback off that, I think the thing that was frustrating for me with the KD contract, the Carl Durrell contract, is he had zero leverage and we did not set up a buyout for him. So it was a good change to see that for Dion. I think with your comment with how long he'll be at CU, I think we can take hopefully some confidence that he'll be with the Buffs until Shador graduates. I don't think Shador will want to move to another school. So I'm really hoping and banking on that at least, but we'll see. Yeah. So with that being said, um, I think we're going to try to uh, get a, a little bit of a, a bit um, every week or whenever we decide to do these podcasts where um, we'll do a draft um, of certain C-related things. Um, today, um, we'll be doing a draft of the best CU restaurants or Boulder-related restaurants. Um, Five-round draft. Um, you know, it's it's not a snake draft. Um, and we actually did pre-select the order of the draft. Um, so if commissioner, uh, Jake would like to announce that, um, we'll go ahead and start the draft. Am I the first pick? Who's the first pick? I don't, I don't remember. We'll go ahead and let you, uh, I I'm confident that you're the last pick. So we'll let Sreya start. I'll draft second (laughs) and Jake can go third. But yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing this because we saw Dion's reviews. He went to the buff. Um, he went to the village and gave, gave reviews. So. We want to we want to have a draft of our favorite restaurants. We'll see where they land on on Dion's scale. I think he's been he's been a little bit nice in his ratings. I think he gave an A an A to the first rate restaurant and an A minus to the second. I, I don't remember, but it'll be fun to see him promote Boulder, him promote small businesses, and really make an impact in the community. Um, but with that, is Threus up with the first round? I guess so. All right, so. Uh... I don't know if you guys knew this, but you'll know now, like I'm a lifelong vegetarian. So that definitely is a major influence for me in, in my selection process here. But I'll tell you this, for me, if you look at the totality of the experiences and the, the size of the menu and the quality of the vegetarian options, half-fast subs is always at the top of my list. Great pick. And since since I have the opportunity to take it, I think that that's a home run hire. You know, I think that's a home run pick. That's a five-star recruit. Uh, I'm going with half-ass subs, baby. Let's go. Biggest sandwich menu in the country, according to them. They used to have a C-Unit sub as well. So they sponsored the student section. Big fans of CU. Great pick. I need a prime sub now. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Um, You know, frankly, I'm stoked that this fell to me. Um, 
even at the second pick. I'm going to take Bovas on the hill. Um, I know that Bovas has since moved, but I want the um, nostalgia and the food poisoning um, that you would always look forward to at 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, so go ahead and give me Bovas. Good pick. Good solid pick. Right there. Bovas. <laughs> All right, with my third pick, I'm going to go with a little bit of a playmaker. Very notorious pick here. You know, he had a big announcement on ESPN where he's headed. And I'm going to go with the sink, a President Obama favorite, a new uh, Boulder classic. I'm going to lock it in with the sink. Great pick. Had to, had to go in the first round. I think that was a reach. I think that the sinks, the sink is more of a reputation thing. It's like a recruit that goes to Nebraska, right? It gets a Nebraska recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, right. I don't know the quality. It just it just never hit for me like that. I know it's an icon, right? It's an icon, just like Tom Osborne's Nebraska teams in the '90s, right? And I think the sink's going to be bringing a lawsuit for that. I I can't believe you said that. <laughs> it is an icon. It's an icon. I just think it was a reach. You're talking about the first round here, you know? Hey, All right, hey, Race. What's your I'm second? Pick? Only dogs in my team, man. Only blue chip dogs. Only blue chippers. Let's see. So as far as so again, like I, I have to I have to scale this in terms of my, my go-to's, right? And and where I go. And this stinks because it's it stinks to pick this because it's a chain. But my goodness, like God, there's something about illegal pizza. When I'm out there, it's just it's again, it's just such a go-to, like go to the game. I, I can't tell you how many C basketball games I've been, I've been to where I just make the walk up to the hill afterwards, go to Illegal Pete's. Illegal Pete's in its current location ver- versus where it used to be before. They got like a nice little bar set up in there. They got the potatoes to put in your burrito, right? I think that's a big draw. And But I get, I, I get that it's a chain. We also have Illegal Pete's in Fort Collins and Denver and in South Denver and the Tech Center where I'm at. But I got to go with Illegal Pete's. Like for a vegetarian, that's the one. All right. Well, uh, he he was on my board. We were scouting him. We had him high on my board. So love that pick. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm I'm really happy with the value I'm getting here in my second pick. Um. You know, I think this is one that anyone that knows anything about Boulder, um, probably would think that this is a steal to get after the first round. Um. I think Jake knows exactly what I'm going to pick. I know where you're um, going here. I know where you're it, going. It has to be the dark horse. Uh, give me the dark horse. Ooh, okay. Um. You know, it's not only in my opinion, the best bar in Boulder, um, other than maybe the downer. Um, but you know, the food is excellent. The, the value, um, and the pricing is just unmatched. Um, I think that's great value in the second rounds. Um, so yeah, I gotta take the dark horse. Good pick. Good pick. All right. Does that leave it to me, man? You put me in a tough spot here. Dark horse was high on my list. We really liked them. We liked the talent they brought. You know, they were out of our recruiting pipeline, though, out there in Willville. You know, we don't have a lot of coaches that are, are scouting that area of the country. So, you know, we, we weren't really sure of their talent, but I think that I like that pick, like that pick. People are sleeping on the Willville teams. That's all I'm saying. Right, right, right. Next up, this is where I thought you were going to go. So I'm, I'm glad to see them drop to me. Very happy about this. Dion will definitely be making a, a stop there. I got to stop saying Dion. Coach Prime, Prime Time is definitely going to pull up to this restaurant, going to give him raving reviews. This is one of the most notorious restaurants in Boulder. I've helped the team with NIL deals. Love this place. I'm going to go with Pasta Jays. You know, I, I thought about taking Pasta Jays there, but I really did think I could get in the third round. I, I wasn't sure it. what the I wasn't sure what the vegetarian options at Pasta Jays were. So, <laughs> right, you know, I right. thought I could sneak it through. 
I would just like to tell the listeners here, because I didn't see the reactions of you two just falling in their chairs as they realized they missed this awesome talent in Pasta Jays. So I think we got a good one. I think it's a controversial one. You know, people that like Pasta Jays really like Pasta Jays, but, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are really just not Pasta Jays people. So, you know, I, I thought I might be able to sneak away with it. Would have been great value in the third round, but I think that's a great, uh, really solid second pick. All right, Sreyas, for our third and final round, go ahead and take your third choice. All right. So I want to take it to the other side here, right? And I think I'm sure – I have a feeling this may not be on any of you guys' radar, um, but I'll keep it with the burrito theme since I love going there, but Cafe Mexicali. Ooh, that was – Actually, that was, sure. that was on my board. That was, that on, was my on my board. board. Cafe Mexicali is another one of those post-basketball game – uh icons for me i love going there they have the they have like a patio up top that has just an amazing perfect flat iron view you get a giant meal you can get smothered burritos out there and so that it was that was a that was a bit of a difficult choice because you know with only three picks here there are some there's some still good ones left on the board and i won't won't throw any of those out there uh since i know you guys still have to pick but i think that that one's mine um it's a it's a really quality spot i'm a big fan um, all right. Well, with my last pick, you know, I'm kind of stuck between two here. Um, uh, frankly, I think either of these um, could have been a great pick. Um, I, I'm going to go for what the people would pick, maybe not my pick, because uh, I think I'm getting a lot of value. This is actually what I thought Jake was going to pick with his second round pick. Um, so I'm thrilled to be grabbing him here. In fact, I was so confident that I wrote it on our draft pick list um, in Jake's spot because that's what I thought he was taking. Um, you know, sometimes it's tried and true. It may not be the best, but it's the best for me. Uh, oh. Go ahead and give me Cosmos pizza. Oh, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I knew it. That was my other. That was one of the other ones. I was like, oh. rest in peace. Cosmos I mean, on the hill, right? uh, third round pick. I mean, the, the value is insane there. It would the nostalgia. You know, the you know, the place where you would spend three in the morning um, on a Saturday, Friday, Thursday. You know, yeah, you have to take it. Absolutely. I will say it's a it's a really good 3 a.m. slice, um, especially living in New York. We know good pizza out here. I mean, Cosmos, you know, it's not too bad. It's great drunk food. It's right there. Love big, that pick. Slices, too. A lot of value. Yeah. That's a scrappy pick right there. You know he's going to be a hard worker. <laughs> All right. Does that bring it to me, man? I got a, I got a lot of... Man, a lot of names on my board. I and mean, there's a lot of a lot of close misses, right? Like you've you've got a lot of really great options on the board. You know what? My last pick. I am gonna do a selection in honor of Dion Primetime Sanders. Now you thought you thought my first pick. You thought this thing the sink was a little showy. I'm gonna give you a little bit more prime time than that. Um, I'm gonna go with the prime steak option. I'm gonna go with the Flagstaff House. I'm gonna get a little fancy, wow. you guys. I know it's out of the wow. budget, but we're here and we're going big with the third round pick. You know, you got to take risks in the third round. So yeah. I'm going to go with the Flagstaff house. All right. So I'll do a quick synopsis of um, everyone's teams. We've got Sreyas with half fast, illegal Pete's and cafe Mexicali. Um, you know, uh, my team, I got Bova's the dark horse um, and Cosmos pizza. And then Jake rounded it out, um, taking the sink pasta Jays and Flagstaff house. I'll be honest, Jake, um, considering you drafted third, I really like your drafts. Uh, I think you had a lot of value there. Um, we'll definitely put this out on Twitter, see what people think. Um, even if no one ever listens to our podcast, at least they'll uh, 
uh, see our, our rankings on Twitter and can discuss well, they them. They could nuke so. us for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chase. I did a lot of mock drafts, you know. I, uh, yeah, had a lot of research, had a good team, had a, had, had a lot of good scouts out there. So I think we, I think we did well. We'll see how we end up. There's we'll a lot of good free agents, squad. too. There's still a lot of good free agents out there. If you ever oh, need for to sure. We're definitely going to have to hit the portal. So we might do a part two of hit, hitting the portal um, and picking our favorite restaurants. All right, with that, we'll close this out. Thanks for listening. If whoever's still listening at this point, <laughs> we appreciate you guys. Um, the goal is to do this podcast, hopefully weekly during the football season. And um, hopefully as we started out um, fairly often, uh, we hope to do it every couple of weeks or so, maybe weekly, because there's going to be news left and right with Coach Prime. So thanks for listening. Let's go Buffs. It's prime time, baby. We're coming. Let's go Buffs, baby.